You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host as always. This week, we are talking finance. It's been a couple of months, but it's a really pertinent time because I think we're at that cliff, that watershed moment where we're, I think we're having the last finance podcast chat at a cash rate of 0.1%. The next time that I speak to our boy, Sam Carello, that cash rate will be much higher. So we thought today we'd get him in to have a conversation about what this cliff looks like for everyone, what we've been experiencing since probably, I'd say, September, October last year with the rising fixed rates, whether at now, how that affects our mortgage going forward and a little bit of advice as what people can be doing right now if their fixed rates are coming up or if they're looking at their variable rate, where things are at and that conversation just around our general market and maybe how that's affecting purchasing affordability from a financier's side of things as well, given we're so interested in where values are going. Sammy boy, thanks for coming in. How you going? Yeah, very good, Trent. Thanks for having me. A couple of things are also coming out of the election promises that I think maybe we can talk to quickly to get out of the way. Yeah, there's the first home deposit scheme, I believe it's called. There's been a release of more spots on that. So, have, you, have you guys done any of those? Have you seen it work? We've done a few. I guess we don't do a heap in that space, but we have done a few. With the first home loan deposit scheme, uh, rather than needing the full 20% to forego the mortgage insurance, essentially if a client has uh, 5% genuinely saved, the government will insure the other 15% for them. So essentially, you're still borrowing 95% of the property, but rather than being whacked mortgage insurance and, and grabbing a higher rate, it's only available at certain banks, so not all banks have the spots. But essentially, you put your 5% up, the government will guarantee you 15%, like a guarantor almost, and you still borrow the full 95%. Works out really well. does save on the mortgage insurance. There are some restrictions around, obviously, income thresholds, purchase price thresholds as well. But we're finding uh, a lot of first home buyers, once they do get released, 1st of July is the next set. Yeah, we reckon they'll be taken up pretty quick. Are the products that the banks are providing, and I believe NAB is one of them, I'm sure you can list the other ones as well, are they good interest rates or you're getting slogged like with Keystart, for example? Great interest rate. So the bank assess you or the interest rate you get is an 80% lend. So you're on the same pegging as everyone else. And this is... The main gripe I've had with Keystart for years is that if you don't have the 20%, you don't even have the 10%, you're at five or something like that, you get absolutely knackered with an interest rate that's 1.5% greater than the average of the big four rates, right? So Keystart used the average standard rate of the big four. So they're sitting, as of today, I think probably at 4.6%. Uh, I guess the benefit with Keystart is that they do the, the low deposit of 2%. But yeah, you, if you're in at four and a half, four point six, 4.6, you're paying a lot more on this government scheme. You know, at the moment, with the likes of CBA and NAB, we're seeing rate uh, on a variable rate, you know, as low as sort of 2.09, 2.19. Great. And that, well, I think that's the whole point here is that you shouldn't be penalising low deposit people with higher interest rates because they'll never be able to pay the mortgage down. That's yeah, the point, right? I think that's the catch with Keystart. We don't do Keystart. We're not accredited with them. When clients do come in and, and they're looking for a Keystart, we, we refer them on just because we're not, I guess, accredited and, and, you know, not experienced in that. But that is always the trade-off where if you have a client saying, oh, but I've heard about 2% deposit and no no mortgage insurance, when you actually break down the numbers, if you can get to a 5%, it doesn't take too long to be better off going through a major rather than going through Keystart. But Keystart essentially does have its place. I think this is a great scheme that the government's got 
because especially in a rising market like in Perth, if you think about the time it's going to take those people to get to 20% from that 5%, if they can have the same mortgage product as the rest of us, they can get in a rising market and get in now, not only are they going to be able to enjoy the benefits of home ownership, but more importantly, they won't be missing the boat because it would take them a good two, three, four years to save that extra 15%. And by that point in time, that property that they buy for 500 grand might be 700 grand. That's it. I think the hardest thing that we see, a lot of clients we see who are renting, no issues with the repayments. The, the issue is the deposit because like you said, 20% of a even a 500, what's the median house price in Perth at the moment? About 560? Yep. So you're looking at over 100,000 plus fees, probably need about 130 to complete that that is a lot of money mm-hmm. after tax to save when you are paying rent as well so the five percent works really well you're going to be on you know the sharpest rates there's a number of banks that do it cba and nab are the two majors you then have the likes of suncorp pnn uh, a few of the other smaller banks out there as well but essentially what it is with the new changes i think there's thirty-five thousand spots coming first of july the threshold for purchase price in Perth has been lifted to to six hundred thousand Metro Perth, which is really good. Yeah, especially with most properties increasing in value, hundred grand over the last year or so, it still keeps people looking at that median house price, giving them an opportunity to buy what it is they were thinking about a year ago. It's, that's a big one. Like we've had clients we've been working with for 12, 18 months, and what they could buy for say five hundred thousand a year ago is now yeah. 600,000. Yeah, the game's changed. Yeah, definitely. So that's one of the restrictions. So it has to be under 600,000. Uh, both applicants or if you're a single applicant, that's fine. Just have to be an Australian citizen, so not PR. There is income thresholds. So in terms of max income, so I think for a single, it's about 125. For a couple, it's 200. You obviously have to have your 5% genuinely saved. Principal and interest, so you can't do an interest-only loan. You've got to pay it back as we go. And obviously only just for owner-occupier, so it can't be for an investment. Yeah, standard bank lending criteria apply, so it still needs to be approved by the bank. Good. I think this is a good one, mate. All right, let's get into interest rates. Can you give us a bit of a story about how things have moved, especially in the fixed rate space? Because variables stayed pretty similar, I would have thought, over the last six, seven months. But what's happened since maybe September last year? You bang on. So variables haven't moved pretty much at all. Because the cash rate hasn't moved. Correct, yeah. So variables, I guess, we're starting at sort of 199. That's with a 20% deposit, principal and interest repayments. Typically, depending on the lender, they're sitting anywhere from sort of 2.2 to 2.5. But the fixed rates is where we've seen massive movements. So going back probably September, it was probably the last of the uh, sub 2% fixed rates hanging around for your two-year fix, as an example. Now, I think NAB increased their rates uh, yesterday. Their two-year fixed rate's now 4.49. That's more than double. That's right. Most banks would be sitting high threes, mid to high threes. So I think Bankwest are 374, CBA about the same, Macquarie 385. And they're moving all the time, right? So you have to probably pay for the rate lock unless you want to take that gamble of what might take 60 days, no rate increases in that time. Yeah, I think there's most banks would have been probably 10 times they've increased it uh, and it, it you know it started off just increasing 0.1 0.2% but you know that most recent one by nab i think they went half a percent yeah. in one hit i think we saw bank west do 0.6 in february something like that yeah and at, at the time everyone was like well bank west have gone to you know three and a half three and a half for a two year fixed rates now pretty much best in the market and that really catches you out when you think about what you were planning to budget for let's say you buy a house 1st of february get it approved 1st of March, just round numbers here, and then between 1st of March and the end of March settling, it goes up by 0.6%. Suddenly, you're paying an extra few hundred bucks a month that you weren't planning to. 
That's right, yeah. So most of the banks, you get the fixed rate on the day of settlement unless you do pay that fixed rate lock. The only bank that I know of that guarantee the rate at approval is Macquarie and they'll give you 60 days. I like that. To settle. It gives you a bit of confidence as to what you're actually playing with. Well, yeah, and I guess, you know, it saves the bank too because you've got to think if you have to rework the docs because there's new rates, etc. that's costing the bank. It's slowing the process down. So I think the way Macquarie do it, I would like to see adopted in the industry, but that's just my opinion. It I agree. It doesn't carry too much weight. You're exactly right. You know, typical settlement periods, 28 for finance, 28 days for settlement. That's 60 days almost. And in that time, there's we've had four or five rate increases. So it completely changes what people are expecting to what they're getting. All right, let's do a real-world example here just to exemplify what's going on with fixed rates and why possibly we wouldn't recommend these going forward at the moment. Let's imagine a $500,000 loan yep. at 2.09% mid last year. What were we paying as a P&I for the month? Yeah, so over 30 years, P&I, you're looking at about eighteen seventy a month. All right, and payments. now we're at 4.49 with NAB, you saw, right? Uh, on, their, on their fixed rate, obviously variable rates are a bit cheaper, but yeah, on their fixed rate. And what does that work out to be? Uh, about 2530 a month. All right, so that's 650 bucks a month in the space of nine months that it's gone up so far. It will go up more and more, obviously, as we expect, with cash rates starting to increase soon. But at this point in time, that $500,000 mortgage is now costing the difference in the fixed rate in that time if you bought then, fixed then versus buying now, fixing now, an extra pretty much seven grand a year. Correct. It's yeah. quite a bit when we think about how that hits the mortgage. It is. It's a, a big increase, especially... You know, depending on the client, how far they are stretching themselves. I mean, the banks, the assessment rates have increased. I think we touched on it last time. It's now 3% higher than your actual rate. But with your actual rates increasing as well, it is making it a bit tougher to get money. Hmm. Because if we're assessing at 3% higher than, you know, 2.5% compared to 3% higher at 4.5%, it's a big shade in there. Your serviceability starts to drop. You know what the ironic thing of it though is, Sam, is that three, maybe four years ago, this was the game we were playing. A two-year fixed rate in the fours was the norm. Correct, yeah. Pre-COVID, you're looking, yeah, high threes, early fours for norm, most rates. Norm was jumping off the rafters complaining about it. In fact, in the context of what it was for the five years before that, we were thinking, geez, this is pretty low. Correct. Well, I mean, we've been in a, a downward market since, what, 20, uh, 2012? Yeah, it's, it's been 10 years since we've seen an increase in the cash rate. Yeah, so with that, a lot of these, will obviously, first home buyers haven't been there, but even your second home buyers, if they had their mortgage for 10 years, they haven't been in an increasing interest rate environment. So it's just a change of mindset, you know. I guess what happens is typically mortgage gets paid first and foremost and then from there you adjust your living expenses and I guess your standard of living, you know. You might not be buying that $50 bottle of wine. When you go out, it might be a $30 bottle of wine but people, we typically do see people can adjust what they're spending. I'm sure you would have watched the webinar a couple of weeks ago with Lachlan and myself talking about especially affordability and how the cash rate starts to change over time. Now, we pointed out through our research that when the cash rate moves to 1.5% from 0.1 right now, Perth's affordability cap on median house price still sits at a million dollars compared to 560 today. How have you looked at and assessed those numbers yourself when it comes to what we're paying versus places like Sydney? Yeah, I think we, we sort of look at it as a percentage of wage versus mortgage repayment. So I think Sydney, they're sitting at about 61% at the moment. So average wage to average mortgage repayment. Median house price there is north of 1.4 mil. Perth, I think we're about 23% yeah. for wage versus mortgage. And now obviously median price is 560. So when you do have interest rates increasing, obviously as we've shown that example of the repayment going up $650 on a $500,000 loan, you only have a finite amount of money. Someone's earning a POIG wage, 
typically the mortgage gets paid first as we discussed and then you change your living expenses. I think Perth, we've got a bit of room there to adjust how we go, but Sydney side is it's a bit of a scary scene that is evolving over there because if you're already putting 61% of your, your wage to your mortgage, there's not much fat there. Well, let's talk about this for a second, right? You, we spoke about how at a $500,000 mortgage, your mortgage would have gone up already seven grand as a fixed rate in the last nine months. They're not talking about $500,000 mortgages over there. They're talking about a million dollar plus mortgages for people in the same demographic because of the price points, right? So now we're talking about at least $14,000, $15,000 a year. That is where it starts to affect it. And that's where it really demonstrates that affordability index, what you were talking about before, that 61%, that's pretty much the cap of where Perth got to. It just shows, history shows that it doesn't matter what city you're in, when you're at about 60% of your disposable income used on your mortgage, your city is capped out. It's downwards from there, especially if interest rates keep rising. So I think what it demonstrates is two things. One, we've got luckily quite a bit of fat there in the Perth market. However uncomfortable it's going to be over the next couple of years that we start paying more for all of our mortgages. However, on the other side of the coin, it's only down from here for Sydney. Yeah. And I think, you know, we touched on it before, you know, pre-COVID, you know, rates were 4%. So we've we've done it, you know. Uh, hopefully we see a little bit of wage growth starting to creep in now. Uh, which might help offset. Well, we've certainly seen wage growth in my office. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think around town, most of us are uh, definitely paying staff a bit more than they were a year or two ago. Yeah, and there's plenty of jobs out there too. So, you know, you've seen some people jump employers to maybe take that next step. So hopefully that increase in income will, will help offset. But I think Perth, we're, we're placed quite nicely. I think, like I said, Sydney, Melbourne, big part of the market. I think it's about 70%, if I'm not wrong, of the um, property market in Australia. I think these increases to rates, people always say, how, how quick do you think these rates are going to move? I think there's a multitude of factors, but I think they have to be a, sort of a, a slow and steady increase so people can adjust their living mm. style and living expenses. If overnight you were to increase that example we had before and, and people have to find an extra 15 grand a, a year, that, that's going to hurt people. You're right. We have seen, however, places like Royal Bank of Canada move 50 basis points overnight. I wouldn't be surprised if we see one of those moves in the second half of the year. Would you be surprised if we haven't seen a cash rate rise by the end of financial year? No, I think they'll wait post-election and then June, I reckon they'll move. Yep, um, I agree. Some of the economist guys, a lot smarter than me, you know, the, the head honchos at NAB, CBA, etc. They're sort of saying cash rate of, you know, 2% by 2024. Forecast doesn't mean it's going to come true. But well, the banks are never, ever right with anything when it comes to forecasting. But I wouldn't disagree too much. I think at least by the end of next year, a cash rate of 1.5 by the end of 2023. And yeah, depending on how the world is going, more importantly, but also how our hip pockets are going. And remember, the RBA is supposed to be very much independent. But if you've got governments and people in the East Coast screaming out because they are losing value, they are losing their homes over there, irrespective of the fact that we're probably going to be pretty safe over here, if they're all screaming out about their affordability, it's probably going to protect the upside increases uh, for the rest of the country. Correct, yeah. I guess we get painted or with the same brush, you know. When it goes up and it's going well, it's all East Coast. When it's going down, it's all East Coast. We're exactly. just uh, the poor cousin. So we mentioned it before with regards to what we're advising clients on with products. Look, a year ago, both of us were definitely advising fix, fix, fix. If you can, fix your rates. You fixed one your rates personally. I fixed one of mine you know, for, to be as transparent as, as possible with everyone listening. What are you advising now? Yeah, and every client situation is different. But um, 
I see the value in the variable. I think if you're looking at a, a 4.49 two-year fixed rate versus 2.09 variable, is that variable rate going to creep to 4.49 within about 12 months to then be worse off? Mm. And the answer is probably no. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, there has been an arbitrage opportunity in the fixed rates over COVID yep. uh, where they're probably trying to just keep market share and using this as, as using the fixed rate as a marketing product to win work off other people in, in addition to refinance rebates and these sort of things. But now we're back to that market where it, clearly the interest rates are going to go up and that fixed rate has already priced that in. Right, So think about it as a client here, everyone listening, if you're currently at 2.09 versus fixing it in at 4.49, you have to make a bet with the bank that over that two-year period, you'll not only be charged 4.49 but more over that time because in the first year, you'll be below 4.49. You'll be starting from 2.09. And I just don't see us being at over that two-year period ending up at something like five or six to balance it out. Correct. To take a fixed rate right now, unless you really need that certainty, um, I think the, the variable is the way to go. And I think, you know, potentially the bank have been giving away those cheap fixed rates previously. Maybe they're clawing back a bit of, all right, well, if, you know, you're uncertain and, and, you know, feeding on what's coming out in the media saying, oh, rates are going up, rates are going up, they're going up overnight. You know, if you want to pay that premium to have that certainty, we're happy to facilitate that for you. Yeah, it's going to cost you. Correct, yeah. You know, if your risk profile is, you know what, looking at it i'm actually kind of happy to take the lower rate to start with and if it starts moving we can then look to fix in at a future point yeah then you know go for it bit of a hack as well uh something you mentioned before variable rates in regards to assessments accessibility serviceability if the same person was to make an application at 2.09 and then make an application at 4.49 they will be assessed with different serviceability factors and that may be the difference between getting a loan and not that's correct yeah yeah so i think it's just really interesting how notwithstanding what you said the suitability of the product for the client this differential in interest rate for these two products makes the difference between someone affording one or not simply because they may or may not want to or be a uh, more appropriate using a fixed rate yeah and and you know i guess when you're doing like we always we sit down and make sure affordability is key like when we sit down with a client we got to make sure cool if we're going to give you half a million dollars you got to make sure that you know you can maintain your lifestyle i mean no one can predict what's going to happen in the future but you know if you've got milestones and things coming up all right have we actually factored those in Mm. as part of the process but i think there's a hole there when you have an an assessment rate that's three percent higher than a variable it's supposed to buffer in your the average right so it assesses you at about five to six percent based on what the floor is of the bank but it doesn't really make sense to me that it would be three percent above a two-year fixed rate because that doesn't really represent where the market is right now and what that buff would be. So, what you, when you're getting assessed at seven point five, I find that nearly an unfair assessment on the global thirty-year term of what it will probably be over that time of the loan. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, it's something that I, I figure is worth noting at least in terms of. Um, when you're thinking about what's appropriate for you and trying to get your mortgage, be aspirational, these things can be a factor. I mean, it can be, you know, one and a half percent difference can be the difference between borrowing what you need for your house and, and not. Yeah. To finish off, let's leave these updated interest rates in the memory of our listeners. How about we roll through from the best variable all the way through to one, two, three, four, five year rates and, and see where they're sitting right now. And maybe next time we'll do a bit of a look back. Yeah, that sounds good. So all these rates are based on a 20% deposit owner-occupied principal and interest repayments. Variables start at sort of 1.99%. Your one-year fixed rate, we're we're sort of sitting mid to high twos. So, you know, sort of a 274. 
uh, some are up in the high threes, you know. So what we're seeing is there is quite a spread on the fixed rates at the moment between the banks. Two-year rates start as low as 2.99 up to nearly uh, 4.49 with that NAB rate. Three-year, best three-year, we've sort of got 3.39 all the way up to sort of low to mid fours is quite common. Four-year rates, 3.99 to mid to high fours. And then your five-year rate, your best five-year rate sort of that 4.34 to sort of high fours, low fives, which if you look pre-COVID, most variable fixed rates. Some would, people would have locked that in. Yeah, oh, 4.34. I remember when I bought my place and apartment in, in West Perth 2017, I fixed in for three years at 4.34. Yeah. By the time we, we came out of it, you know, it was early twos. But at the time, the, the suitability for me was that fixed rate and knowing what budgeting what i wanted to pay i was starting the business you just needed that certainty bonus question people listening today they're realizing they're coming off their fixed rate or they're realizing their variable rate or their current fixed rate is are not working for them what would the advice be definitely get in touch with your your broker if you're coming off your fixed rate there's been that many changes from two years ago even from six months ago like we've gone through massive changes so typically process we always do is we'll review the clients with the existing bank give them the opportunity to retain the business what we're seeing at the moment is, is some of the banks aren't necessarily giving their best rate to existing clients and it's not until we do the work to go elsewhere that the discharge paperwork comes in and then you you get a really hot rate come out and a bit of cash back. So, it's surprising, isn't it? It's yeah, not the re- first time they've played this game. No, they've, they've swung back to it. So the retention teams are working over uh, overtime at the moment. In saying that, there's a few like Bankwest are really good. Like We've had a few clients who were paying you know, a 2.8 and they've given them new to bank rate of 2.23 on the variable, no questions asked. So I guess, you know, if you're coming off your fixed rate, have a look, get in touch with your broker, see what your existing bank can do because, you know, it's a lot easier than changing all your direct debits. Mm. In saying that, there are lots of banks hungry for business again. So we've seen that refinance swing come back around. It was a purchase market. Still plenty of purchases going through, but obviously stock issues. We've got some banks offering up to $6,000 cash to switch. So after tax money, straight into your account. So I think Citibank are doing 6 k for loans over a million dollars, 80%. You've got the likes of uh, ANZ and St. George doing 4000 Virgin Bank West, 3000 Yep, same as Westpac, 2000 CBA NAB. So majority of the banks are doing cash back, ING of 3 k there may be terms and conditions around it. The only one that's sort of knots Macquarie, but they, they win on the service piece, you know. Yeah, no one really beats their turnarounds, do they? Turnaround and, and rate-wise as well, they're consistently good. Uh, customer experience is really good. So, you know, they've sort of said, well, if you yeah, if you want to potentially wait 15 days at, you know, one of the other banks to get a, a response and then wait another 15 days, or you can come to us and we'll turn it around in a day for you. Sam Carello, thanks, mate. Really appreciate your time. Next time we chat, that cash rate will be higher for everyone listening. And that's the last thing I want to leave them is get ready, uh, brace yourselves. It's not a time to be scared, but just be ready to come back to some more normalized rates over the next year. Yeah, I agree with that. Thanks for having me, Trent. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!